As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Anish Majunda is a certified professional career coach who specializes in helping senior level professionals identify and leverage their unique worth to call the shots in their career. You can learn more about Anish at his website, helloanish.com. Welcome to the podcast. Mark Madison here on Books and People. This morning, I'm excited about our guest, Anish Majumbar. How are you, my friend? Very good, Mark. Very good. Uh, sending good vibes your way and to everyone listening. Well, I appreciate you making the time. What is Coaching Inc.? So, um, yeah, I know it, it, it's so it's so funny, right? Anish Majumdar Coaching Inc. So here's what here's uh, here's here's what it is. It is an answer to a problem that has bedeviled me through my entire adult working life, and it continues to be the problem, the big elephant in the room uh, that bedevils most people. Um, what we are obsessed with, what we solve. Uh, is the necessity of job searching for people. Uh, the necessity for people to, regardless of what your level is, and we've worked with people right up to the C-suite level, to not be reduced to going out to the job boards and having to convince, for example, some fresh out of college gatekeeper of their skills and going through that <laughs> whole fear-based machinery. Um, right, that, right. That I, I, my, my, my personal path, uh, which was as a journalist and actor, uh, um, I found myself, you know, start trying to start a family and completely locked out of the majority of the hiring market, be not because of achievements, but because I wasn't a good fit for whatever those, those job postings were. So I found a way out. Um, and then, uh, it became an obsession for me to take as many people who are willing to, you know, Morpheus them out of the matrix as I could, uh, uh um, and, uh, you know, and into a place where they can they can look at these moments in their life, not from a place of scarcity, but really to say, I have infinite choices. I can get this done anywhere. Offers are cheap. Offers are easy. Where do we go? Right. And where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Me, I uh, I grew up in Montreal, Canada. My parents um, are uh, Indian. They they met in Kolkata, India, and then they they moved there in the seventies. Um, do you speak French? I do. Uh, uh, I even did in my acting days. I did a, uh, a very, a pretty popular for its time, a TV series called Pure Len uh, in Quebec. So I, I used to get recognized <laughs> all the time uh, uh, for that. Now it's terrible though. Now keep in mind, I've lived in in uh, the states uh, with my family now since 2006. So I am. I, I can read it. I can understand it. Speaking it, I'm sure anyone who's a real francophone is like quietly laughing, you know, right. <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> Are the French really snobbish about uh, enunciation and all for their language? Or is that just no. a kind of a myth? 
Uh, well, you know, <laughs> well, if we're talking Montreal, if we're talking about Quebec, I will tell you that they appreciate the effort to speak it. They don't care so much, so much about the, uh, how well you speak it. It's more like, you know, Mark, you're kind of gonna speak it. You know, like, I'll give you an example. My dad, this is back in, uh, the eighties. Uh, imagine how hard it is now. My dad had to fight for months to get me into what was called an English immersion school as opposed to a French only school because the default was you are not only raised French, that is the dominant one, that is what you speak, that is what you right. read. So he really had to fight. Now I don't think it's even an option. Now it is you are straight up French, French only, which to me is way, way, way too far. But then again, I look at what Toronto's turning into and I look at what Montreal has preserved culturally and otherwise, and it's kind of, uh, I can't just say black and white in that same way that I had. Certainly, I left right. Montreal for those reasons, but now I look at it and I'm like, hey, you know what? You're right, not everything needs to turn into an urban sprawl Blade Runner hellscape, right? So, and Montreal certainly is not that. Toronto is absolutely becoming that. Take a look at the suburbs there, you know? Oh, I love that you used Blade, Blade Runner reference. That's great. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And and they're selling for huge amounts of money, which only tells me, you know, again, the crisis of career is as much a crisis of of a lack of direction and a crisis of self-belief inside of ourselves. You know, mm. like 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 we do we refuse to believe the best in ourselves. We refuse to look at ourselves as creative beings. And so we are even when we look at our professional goals, we're looking outside, right? I want to be a part of maybe not anymore i used to want to be a part of meta or i used to be a part of amazon or i want to be a cto but these are not these are not dreams that are in line with mark madison's journey for example that's not an appropriate dream for a man like you to have the appropriate dream for you to have is what is the ultimate way for my process my way of seeing the world my way of affecting change what is the ultimate expression of that right and people don't ask themselves that because they don't it's think that there's a a spot for it but that's exactly how you get the high stuff by the way is that a self-esteem issue you think absolutely i mean i mean i mean i mean the 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 there's an epidemic of of real true faith in ourselves and and real belief and i don't mean bravado i mean i mean the belief that comes from making those hard bets i was working with um you know uh a gentleman uh rahul uh one of our clients just a couple of days ago and he was and we were talking about how he had come did done amazing uh marks in india uh, got good enough to come over here, rise up in tech, but now he's in this weird kind of drift where he has the experience to absolutely make that impact, but he can't do it. And he, we're talking about his life and we're talking about what happened. And he's like, uh, you know, I went to school and I was like, what did you want to do? You know, he's like, well, I, you know, I, I really had a passion for the arts. I had a passion for music. I had a passion for that. But of course, that's not what I did. My parents said I had to be an engineer. So I, I made five years going to engineering. Then I made this and I'm like, Rahul, you can't spend your whole life saying that this is what I want. This is a dream. This is a moment where I have to do it and then not do it and train yourself for those years to do the opposite. And then five years down the line, 10 years down the line, try to reverse engineer and make up for it. Right. If we're serious about what you want, we have to start from a ground level and people are not, there's so much societal pressure at every level. Now, I just don't think people give themselves the license to say, I don't have it figured out. I don't have what the answers are. I'm going to find it out. I'm going to see if there's a space for my own paradigm to exist instead of just aping someone else's paradigm and chasing my entire life. You know, I mean, there's I mean, a difference between have to and want to. 
100%. Yep, absolutely. 100%. You know, I mean, when I look at this amazing podcast that you've created, um, whatever the magic it was in you that allowed you to fall in love with the process of creating it, fall in love with the humble process in the beginning, all of those stages, there's a magic in that. There's a grit and a self-belief, right? That's evidenced directly through your actions. It doesn't matter if you talk confidently as many people worry about, or you know, if you know how to close the deal, the confidence is ultimately evidenced by the fact that you had the willingness to believe in your idea through that period of darkness long before it was validated by others, you know, and, and my right. hope, you know, for a lot of the work that I do is to be a bit of a voice like that, to be like, look, like, you know, recent events, right, a layoff and reentering the workforce, whatever, that does not change the 20 years of excellence that you have brought here. And you haven't made, you know, I hear people say a lot, I, I made mistakes in ish and I'm trying to recover, you know, and I don't see mistakes in people's careers. You know, I see it as, you know, value that is either leveraged or unleveraged, you know, so maybe learning you know, opportunities. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if you made your bones at one company, maybe you got underpaid there right now and maybe you feel you're not being uh, served there. But that's OK, because the place where you get maximum ROI for your for your experience and your capabilities, it's rarely the exact same place where you actually gain that skill set. So, so, right. you know, so it's okay to be in between, you know, it's okay to feel like you're questioning. I kind of hope, you know, I know this sounds weird. I kind of hope for my own kids, you know, I have three uh, young boys. I hope that uh, I don't hope for them to have a, a smoother ride than I did, but I hope that they are able to look at some of those forecasts in the road and not break down as I have in the past, not be like, oh my God, but to actually look at it as a validator to say, okay, like this job, this company doesn't work for me anymore. And that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like the last time I felt that way was five years ago. Now, now this was two and a half years in. So the, the cadence of where we're going is going in the right direction. So I can be okay with that. I can walk into the unknown and trust myself a little bit, you know? And ask the question, how do I know this is bad? It's and too I, soon to tell. Absolutely, absolutely. And what have I, I gathered up from the experience? I, and I was a technician for 10 years. I never thought that being a tech would ever help me in the speaking business. And then one day I was facilitating a discussion with a bunch of presidents of large commercial air conditioning companies. Hmm. And one guy pounded his fist on the table and said, damn it, what we need is charm school for our technicians. <laughs> and I said, uh, so you mean like people skills, soft skills? He said, yeah. I said, well, I could do that. That'd be fun. And a whole new seminar was born, customer service excellence. Wow. But I never thought that uh, being in tech for 10 years would ever serve me going into the future, you know, doing this whole other thing. Yes. And, and so what I'm hearing you say is everything counts. Everything matters. And it's too soon to tell whether this is a, this is bad or not. Oh, oh, 100%. I mean, when I when I transitioned away from being an actor in my in my 20s, you know, I'm being brutally honest here at the moment, you know, I didn't know any of this was stuff was going to happen. So I was like, man, you know, I, I, I feel like I've I've failed, you know, I because because I, I'm like, I, I did some good work. I'd done some film TV and all of this stuff, but I, I hadn't achieved uh, th that success. Now, though, as a career coach, I will say that probably one of my superpowers was being able to look at this whole side of, of things that I was looking at as an outsider, looking at it and being like, why is everyone pretending 
that human behavior and influencing and people skills and exactly like you're talking about. Why are we pretending that that that's not a huge part of this? Like thirty, the 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 best qualified person on paper gets the job thirty eight percent of the time. So still, despite ATS systems and all of this, understand it is a fundamentally human driven irrational act of of trusting someone. So so right. all of those capabilities gave me a huge edge, right? And so I wish back then when I'd been walking away from it, I had had a little bit of a voice to say, look, we're going to make sure that you're okay now. We're going to make sure that you're taken care of and that you feel good about it. But allow yourself to not write off this thing that just happened to you and say, okay, this is the end. This is what I took took from it. Because Mark, you're exactly right. I mean, I've, I've worked with people who have even said, Anish, can you believe, you know, the five years I spent, you know, suffering under a toxic boss or seeing my division broken up, it gave me an insight in terms of who to work with. And it gave me a compassion level for who I work with that I simply would not have had, like if that had not happened, you know, it changed me. Right for the better forever, you know? So, so yeah, I, I, you, you raise a, you raise a, an incredibly important point, you know? And I think there's a little bit of forgiveness, you know, mingled in that as well, because yeah. I, I see people being so hard on, on themselves. You know, we take responsibility for absolutely everything. And, and, uh, it's not everything. You're not responsible for everything. And if you did the best that you could, and you know, you can look at yourself in the mirror and you feel, you, you feel good about it. Understand like no matter how successful you are, there's always going to be some non-believers. There's always going to be people who are not going to get. That's the nature of the beast. That's not a. That's not a mark whatsoever on on what you're bringing to the table. If I treated my friends the way I treat myself, I wouldn't have any. Oh God, it, I, isn't it, isn't that the truth? I mean, so many so many three you know three in the morning uh, sessions I've had you know especially when our when our kids were very young. For some reason, that was that's when my voice will start turning. You know, it's like oh, don't look at your calendar, don't look at how many calls you have coming up. You know, uh, uh, today, you know, you're not going to be able to serve them. You know, all this all this stuff. You know, I, I mean, um, that that voice has a purpose, especially for high performers because you know you know, I think it's mingled in that, you know, having high standards, you know, holding yourself to that, that's what can drive you to, you know, work 40, 50 hours, you know, on something and, and create something, you know, out of nothing. But if you're not careful, it, you know, in a situation where there's a lot of self-esteem involved, you know, and self-worth involved, that beast can like turn around on itself and it, and it can sort of start clawing at you and it can start saying, hey, how come you're not doing this? How come it's not that, you know? And that's when, that's when things can really um, get out of hand. You know, when we stop seeing this whole thing about a, of a career, no matter how passionate you are about it, I'm very passionate about my work. I know you are as well. But when we stop looking at it as, you know, it is a game that we are playing. It is, it is something that we, are, that we are choosing to play and it's something that we're getting better at. When it starts to become so personal that our happiness one way or the other will not survive one way or the other, that's when... We need to we need to adjust, you know, and that's what I'm I'm not saying that as an expert. I'm saying that as as someone who has been burned by that, you know, and continues mm. to be. And now I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I, let's let's try to enjoy a Saturday, regardless of the circumstances. Let's enjoy a Saturday doing absolutely nothing with the kids. How about that? You know, like without feeling like, you know, with I'm, no agenda, no with agenda. nothing written you, down. I know, like that's He's crazy. mad. Right? That's really crazy. <laughs> He's quite mad, you know. Yes, yes, very. Okay, very so mad. on on your website, you've got three ways to make a a better first impression. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I mean, I you know, I I uh, you know, it, it, there's probably the the most powerful thing I've I, I've seen, and 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 
um, I might drift a little bit from 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 what I originally posted, but it, it gets to the same idea. Um, probably the most important thing I see is, you know, instead of, you know, if you're meeting someone for the first time, especially if you're impressed by them, intimidated by them, I, I will see people fall into the trap of saying, hey, how can I come across more impressively? How can I, how can I, how can I do that? And, and what I've, what I found works much, much better, okay, uh, than that is to say, look, if you're, if you're impressed by someone, be a fan. I learned that as a journalist, right? And, and, it, and it helped me right up at the, at the at, you know, at the C-suite level, which is don't hide your admiration. Actually use that to say, hey, Mark, you know, I want to I want to understand your journey. I want to understand where you where you came from and how you were able to do this. Can you lead me through this? Can you can you show me what you're talking about? And a lot of times, even people who have like the like the biggest sort of barriers up, if it's clear that they understand that the payoff in terms of what you do and what you want to do, that it's all coming from a place of of real understanding, real respect, and the payoff for me and the value add is right from the information that I get from you, you're going to find the doors opening up. If you don't, right? If it's clear that you're, you have your dukes up or you're playing this game, right? The business of getting into the weeds with someone in a good way becomes really, really hard. I think, um, another way to make, you know, you know, to, to help with that, with that first impression, people's focus a lot on um, what are the right answers to have? You know, they take this sort of default passive approach. And again, one of the most, you know, let's put it in a date, you know, uh, context for a second, okay? So let's say you're going in, you know, for a first date with someone that you're like, oh God, I, I want this date to do well. I have, I have a, 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 a foolproof way that you are going to knock this person's socks off, okay? And that is, I don't want you thinking about what you're going to talk to her about and all your great stories and all the things that you did at work to impress this person. What I would like you to do is I would like you to think about questions. I would like you to think about her. I want you to think about this person like a real human being, like someone who is really trying to, 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 to create a life for herself and with some compassion and empathy. I want you to think about this date as a place that says, if I let her talk, if I let her do most of the talking, if I can take an interest and if I can go deeper through asking intelligent questions and follow-ups, then I will come in with a deeper understanding. And I promise you, Mark, she will come away being that is the most interesting, charming person I've ever spoken to in my life. So probably the second tip that, that again, people really get wrong sometimes is that they overemphasize what to talk about. Right. What, you know, when do I get into business? You know what I mean? And all of this. And instead I say, take a step back and, you know, treat it like a journalist. You know, we actually teach our clients, build a little question bank for yourself, right? That, yes. that, 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 that can serve as a sort of template there that can massively, massively help. Um, the last thing I would say is, um, if there's a real point that you're struggling with, um, I, I worked with someone, Frederick, who had by his, I didn't say this. Okay. He said it. He's like, Anish, my wife, you can see it on zoom. Okay. Anish, my, you know, my wife will tell me I have what's called zombie face. You know, I just, you know, I have trouble communicating that enthusiasm. I'm very excited about what I do, but I'm a little, you know, Al Gore like a little bit, you know? So 
in, you know, it, rather than saying, you know, and he was working on it, but, but, you know, he needed offers now. He needed to make traction now. And it was being a, a little bit of a problem because that ends up being like 13 to 15% of the time. You, the, the reason why employers will give up on an otherwise promising candidate is a lack of perceived buy-in uh, for, for, for the role. They understand, like some people will just talk the talk. So for him, what worked was very simple, which was when he was building a relationship, let's say he was building a relationship with you. He sees, you know, face to face. It's like, Mark, I have to apologize right now. Um, zombie face, here's what's going on. I want to I wanna reassure you that I would not be taking this time away from my, my wife and kids and exploring this if I wasn't really, you know, um, you know, on board. And from then on, there's this magical alchemy that happens. Because when you call out a vulnerability like that, when you call out that imperfect job, um, you're not hiding it, but you're showing it, you know, and you're showing, hey, here's what I did. Here's what we attempted to do. There's an incredible bonding that happens there. And now instead of this person wondering, hey, how come this person's not bought in and engaged? Every time he, he made an attempt to bring forth that enthusiasm, he got double, triple points. You know, it's like, oh man, this guy's really, this guy's really into it, you know? So it's these little, it's these little tips, which I hope are, 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 are helpful, you know, but they can, they're very counterintuitive when you when you think about them from the outside. But when you put them into play, you know, these can be the difference between having a, a conversation that you're like, OK, otherwise that was great, you know, and having one where it's like whatever I, I got to do to work with Mark. OK, well, I know however busy you are, Mark, I'm going to make the, the changes because it's not for me a growth problem or whatever it is that we're actually working on. It's actually the fact that I need to have an ally with me in the inner circle. I need to know that for even though you're doing something totally different in terms of where you want to go and where I want to go, we're, we're simpatico, you know what I mean? So, so that's, that's, um, uh, I found, um, you know, you know, these can really, really help, you know, on that, uh, you know, in terms of, so I heard you say three things. It's okay to admire the other person. Yep. Uh, stop trying to impress them and have all the right answers yep, and relax and have fun. Yep. Ask more, ask more questions and, uh, have fun and call out the elephant in the room. You know, if you've got a vulnerability that you just absolutely cannot get over, uh, maybe getting over it is not the right, um, approach. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe the right approach is to treat you like a friend and someone that I can do business with and someone that's not going to run away from that and to bring you into my confidence. You know, that's the, that's the ultimate, you know, that's the ultimate move of confidence, right? To, to be more confident doesn't mean that you take confidence classes like that all that does in some sense is reinforce the fact that of what you don't have right what what we're talking about a truly confident person has the ability to open up the doors of vulnerability and show you what's going on and risk being judged by you if necessary because it's not going to it's not going to change anything. You know what I mean? It's not going to change the people I've served and helped. So you can call me whatever you want. I'm still going to I'm still going to talk to you with the same integrity. I'm still going to ask you very hard questions and I'm still going to hold you to a very high standard because this is our mission and this is my mission. So, so you're walking into my world. You know what I'm saying? So all of these things can make an enormous difference in terms of not just closing offers, but actively generating and creating offers for yourself, you know, and, uh, and, and I encourage everyone out there, you know, no matter where you are in your career, um, um, start putting faith in, individuals and relationships instead of large companies and all this and start the process of trying to help 
um, right from that first relationship, you know, instead of asking permission and saying, oh, I, I need this gatekeeper. I need Mark's permission to put in a good word for me. And then he's going to slide the resume across and then I can say hello. You know, like the speed at which we're talking about, trust yourself and trust that you've got something worth saying and that you've got um, that you've got some value there and uh, allow things to evolve. You know, um, as crazy as that sounds, it it, it completely changed my life and now it's changed the life of over 2000 people that we've helped over the last over the last 12 years um kind of break out of this and i'm confident that anyone who really wants to can start tapping into stuff like this so how do you identify a shady employer that's one of the things you talk about on your website yeah big time yeah 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 that's a huge one you know uh People will tell me, you know, some real horror stories of what they've encountered um, afterwards, a lot of rug pilling situations. By far, the biggest commonality I've seen in those stories is ignoring warning signs. It's not it's not actually uh, I didn't know what to expect. They totally pulled the wool over my eyes. Whenever you go deeper into those stories, you realize that based on the situation behind the hire, right, most of the time, um, that type of a job situation, like Rafat, she was a client of ours. Uh, she was, she's an amazing HR innovator, ha, um, truly does the wildest thing, which actually looks out for the people in the company, not just serves as like a shill for, for legal and stuff like that. So she was doing great. She had, a, she had an experience like that, okay, where they hired her. They said, we need you to do this. She finds out after she was hired, guess what? This company runs on dysfunction. So the 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 what the CEO needed to do is is they needed to show that they were going to make some big changes, clean some house. So they hired her, but they don't actually want you to do any changes. They want to make your job as hard as possible, marginalize you, and when you fail, then I can go back right to all of our shareholders and say, hey, we need to take the approach that I said we should have taken all along. So so the truth is though that role. She, she, it's not that she was pressured to take it, but she had no other opportunities. There were no other interviews. There were no other real prospects there. So in that sense, she had to take a role as quickly as possible. They were uh, stonewalling her in terms of, of not giving her information in certain key areas and telling her that's only information that we can share with you. If she had a little bit more activity or she had what we call a stronger best alternative to a yes, she could have pressed more, but she consciously didn't because she could feel in that interview process, hey, if I push right now, there's going to be a little bit of a, there's going to be a, a kind of unpleasant pushback that I don't want, right? And if you, if you, if you, if this is the only opportunity you have, which I think is behind 99% of the worst career outcomes, right, is really just feeling we cannot say no, right? And so, you know, all of these little factors, uh, being too nice, right, not exploring. I, I, I assure everyone listening, okay, any employer, anyone that you want to work with, any client, okay, don't be afraid of awkwardness. Um, I've I've negotiated deals right at the C-suite level with CEOs where the final meeting I've had with them, the whole thing has been awkward because they're not interested in trusting someone unless they ask them every question under the sun and get it right out there. And, and you can't really be phased with that, right? So don't be afraid to ask that stuff and understand that you cannot trust a job posting, right? I've hired people at my company and I will tell you, uh, I'm not going to share confidential details about why we're hiring someone with Monster and Indeed, right? I'm going to put out something generic. So it doesn't behoove a candidate 
to just make themselves look like a job posting because A, even if you get past that first round, I need unique value in round two onwards, right? What's far better is to stand for a process and, and, and to move it forward and don't be afraid. Invite questioning, invite challenging, go deeper. And, and when they ask you to uh, go into your recent experience, what I would say is, um, push for relevancy, right? So ask them, hey, why are you asking this, right? What, 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 how have you guys tried to solve this problem? So look for indicators of uh, people who are willing to, uh, I think this is so key, respect the strategic side of what you do. Um, number one trait of bad employers beyond what I've just mentioned here, uh, they are they're gonna refuse to see you as anything but a problem solver. Right. So when you say, look, the reason I'm doing this is not just to solve a marketing challenge, but to, to continue making this company where you want to go. Ah, that's great, Mark. We don't really need that right now. What we really need you to do that. Guaranteed, that's that's a company that's going to fire out there. So definitely a refusal to see you as a strategic figure is a big, big, big red flag. Another one, lack of accountability in the hiring process. I don't care what level it is. If I say I'm going back, I'm, I'm going to get back to you in two days, I'm getting back to you in a day. If I, if I have some something, two days max, right? If I, if, and if I'm constantly, and, you know, and I'll see this, people will say, hey, come in for a follow-up interview. They'll say, you're following up with one person. They make it a panel interview. They don't tell you. Excuse me. That is a huge red flag. If I'm looking at how they're interacting with each other, right? So let's say you are in a group interview and I see all of these executives, right? I see some backbiting. I see some jockeying going on between them. I see some lack of transparency. These are all warning signs that I would, uh, you know, that I would look for. So lack of accountability in the hiring process, also a very, 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 um, you know, you know, big red flag that you want to, uh, that you want to, that you want to look out for. One of the things you talk about is, uh, interview questions that puts the power in your hands. Yes. Yes. We've got about five minutes. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think probably the most important question you can ask is a variation of, um, you know, what that number one goal is that is trying to be achieved, right? So, you know, a lot of times I, I will notice people will um, take this posture of um, passivity in terms of saying, how, what can I help you with, right? What can I, how can I facilitate? And the problem with that kind of a posture, right, is that it assumes that I have everything worked out, right? It assumes that I know everything and I just need your help to execute. Well, the truth is most of the time, Employers don't have that stuff figured out, right? So rather than doing that, right, I would say, again, arc towards big picture strategic and 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 open up a conversation that is designed to sort of, you know, allow this person to share their perspective, their zone in terms of what's happening there. Now, beyond that, in terms of, of how you sort of direct this thing, um, you know, and move it forward, you really want to take it from a 30,000 square foot view into a ground level view, right? You don't want to start at ground level. There, no one's going to give you ground level, and you don't want to start at thirty thousand foot view because there's uh, offers are not made at that at that zone. So what you want to do is you just want to think, I'm here. I'm coming into this interview and all of this. It's my job to understand, right, with as pinpoint clarity as possible what's actually driving it. So let's say I'm talking with you. You might say, Hey, I need career help. Fine. The, what's actually might be driving you, what, where I would take this conversation 
through my questioning and all of that is to understand the key driver. Maybe for you, where it really hits the road is you wake up at two in the morning and you feel like you have absolutely let down your family and you know that you have let them down and you feel like you are on the far side of energy, you're on the far side of vitality. So I need to know that, right? I need to get to a place to understand that this is actually not a really a career thing. This is a Mark's journey. This is Mark feeling good with his life thing at the deepest level, right? So what I want to do is I want to first start getting a sense of in terms of their people, in terms of their operations, in terms of their strategy, what are their goals? What are they trying to do? Then I want to start going a little bit deeper in terms of how are they, how is this stuff being implemented or not? What are their blind spots, right? Be dogged about the blind spots. 99% of the people I work with, when I asked them how they handled a conversation like that, they had three, four, five situations where they were, they were, they were told BS, but they didn't call it. You know, Bethany, one of our clients, what she did in the interview, which I think is so powerful, right? She had an initial interview. She, she was invited to do a follow-up and they say, Bethany, and this is something anyone can use. Bethany, we want you to present on our strategy how you're going to make that a success. She knew by that initial one that that strategy was not going to work. So she's like, great, fantastic. Who am I going to meet with? Fantastic. She comes in there. The whole presentation was very brief. Here's what, why this doesn't work. Here's why this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Here's the alternate. Here's what I believe is going to work here. And right there in this so-called passive presentation, she asked for their buy-in, right? She asked for their buy-in in terms of what's going on, right? And anyone can do this, right? If you are, 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 are um, asked with a vulnerability or you're, or you're presented with something that doesn't work, acknowledge, isolate, pivot. Acknowledge the difference, isolate, What's going on here? Is it solely a question of this? And then pivot towards a different way of doing it, right? And whenever possible, keep checking in. Probably the most important thing you can do to maintain equality in an interview. Keep checking in. Stop with this idea that it is a presentation whatsoever. Stop pitching. Stop presenting. Start validating and start bringing in notes so that they know that it's a, it's a, it's a working meeting. And constantly be checking in. In terms of, does this work for you? Does that make sense? You're looking at me a little bit like my son looks at me when he's, you know, stayed up three hours past his bedtime. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. And if you're not, I want to make it clear. Let's hash it out, right? Let's talk about this, right? Any judgment that you don't call out in an interview context is a judgment that will explode afterwards and will, will be used against you. So it is far better to just sap it all out. Let's get it all out there, right? I mean, honestly, if I'm, if I'm working with you, Mark, the most important thing I can do is really treat it from a point of view of, I already have five offers in front of me. I, 95% of my time is being taken up, you know, um, solving problems for people. It's not my job to impress you. It's actually your job to show me that you're serious about taking action here and avoiding the pitfalls of what we're talking about, right? Bring that attitude, bring that energy into that interview so that they know you're vetting them just as hard as their vetting. Right. Arguably right. the most powerful thing you can do. Well, how does somebody get a hold of you, Anish? Probably the most important thing, helloanish.com. Uh, that's our headquarters for uh, our career trainings, our videos. You can even uh, watch our masterclass from there. Um, and to those of you who are on LinkedIn, uh, I encourage you to hop on over there. Uh, Anish Career should probably bring up my profile. I'm always looking to share insights from people who are, you know, our clients who are actively in the trenches. And, uh, you know, again, having these types of counterintuitive paths to uh, success. So um, always always happy to uh, engage with people over there as well. Thank you for making the time out of your busy schedule. 
Oh, thank you, Mark. I mean, the, the time went by like nothing. And thank you for uh, sharing the light, man, uh, and uh, getting people and breaking people out of the matrix yourself. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.